Today, one of the greatest Olympic moments of the 21st century. It's a throwback day, and though my guest is anything but a throwback, having just been awarded a New Year's honour from the Queen. Thank you for listening to this, the final podcast of the first week of Destination Tokyo. It comes out Monday to Friday, lasts about 10 minutes, and is about the stories of Olympians and Paralympians hoping to make Tokyo this summer. So, my guest... She's just been awarded an OBE for her work on diversity and inclusion at British Athletics. She was fourth to the Australian Cathy Freeman in the Sydney Olympics and also she was diagnosed with breast cancer whilst she was competing at the age of just 36. So there's a lot to talk about with four times Olympian Donna Fraser. Hello Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, good. I mean, for you, what a start to what's been a dismal year to get the New Year's honour. Absolutely. I couldn't have asked for a better ending and a great start as well for 2021. All of us have done our utmost to stay upbeat, but um, yeah, it's, it's just ongoing at the moment. So to have this refreshing news it is definitely a bonus. Uh, tell us a little bit about the work then that, that you're doing. I mean, it's such a big, wide area. What sort of practical uh, effects do you think you're having on the sport in the UK? So I've been at UK Athletics now for four years this month, which is, I can't believe the time's flown so quickly. Um, And my primary role was to embed our core values, basically how we behave as an organisation, and then also try to achieve our the equality standard in sport, the advanced level. So both of them put together was basically around our behaviours and how we're seen and how we operate as a sport. And you will know, Mark, that athletics is, uh, as a sport, is very diverse. But within the organisation, our practices needed a lot of improvement. Uh, and that basically encapsulated building relationships creating that culture of inclusion where everyone had a sense of belonging. And it has taken a while um, to build that trust and understanding of what that actually means. But in practice, many people were just doing it normally, which is great because I think my my ultimate goal is to make myself redundant, that I'm no longer needed to push that agenda. Um, but yeah, to get the award for that is um, definitely, I, I was blown away. But at at the same time, it's great to see some of the impact coming to fruition, but we've still got a long way to go. Look, you've had four Olympic experiences and you may be able to have some sympathy or empathy with what Olympians and Paralympians are going through right now. Because this is like, unlike, I say, any Olympic preparation. Oh, definitely. I, I, I was saying to a friend of mine, a former athlete themselves, that this is a time I'm glad I'm not an athlete. Um, it it must be just so stressful uh, and it's, it's the unknown, like many other people, whether you're a sports person or not. But I was asked this exact question probably around April, May last year. And I said, well, probably my approach would be just to treat it as if I was injured. And how would I cope with that, not being able to train and do what I want to do? And that's compete and you know, try and aim for the next competition. But this has been going on for quite some time. And I know there are athletes out there who have been injured for a long period of time. But again, it boils down to that uncertainty, not knowing when Uh, a physio can tell you, okay, in six weeks time, your hamstring will be fine or whatever injury or give some kind of timeline. But with this, you just don't know. Uh, And that's the frustration I can imagine many athletes are going through at the moment. So what advice would you give? It it really is about that mental toughness. Um, I suspect many athletes are really starting to understand who they are as a person, not just an athlete. And Sports people just get on that hamster wheel a lot of the time. You train, you eat, you sleep, and that's the ongoing uh, routine. But 
this now really has to involve the support network, psychologists, you know, the family support network. It has to go wider than just you as the athlete and, and tapping into that. You know, it, it's it's different. You know, you can't just go down to the athletics track or any other sports venue now, you know, with the restrictions in place. So it is learning to adapt. And, and athletes are quite good at adapting, to be quite honest, because you never know. I mean, me, me myself, when I was running, you didn't know whether it was going to rain or whatever. You have to deal with the elements. So that's where athletes would need to really dig deep and, and learn how to adapt and make sure that they're, they're making the best of a, a bad situation. How was it for you when you first realised or first were told that you were going to be an Olympian for GB? <laughs> I, that that is as if that happened yesterday. Um, it was '96 was my first Olympic Games, and when I received that letter, you know, when you it, it reads Donna Fraser, you're you're selected to represent Great Britain and Northern Ireland, uh, and then they list the events. I was just over the moon. I still get goosebumps now because you know, as a youngster, when you set your goals and your sights to where you want to be and then you get there it, it's just quite overwhelming and but then you have to get yourself get back to reality and realize now I've got to do the work to, to perform well at the Olympic Games you don't want to look silly on TV and in a British vest as well you're representing your country let alone yourself. Can we focus in on on that one Olympic moment which was the year 2000 Kathy Freeman in Sydney the Australian your training partner talk us through that final Okay, so um, leading up to that, I mean, those are the days when it was, was four rounds and 400 metres, um, so pretty tough, but a tough programme. And as you say, I was lucky enough to train with Cathy that, that summer, so it was nice to have a little bit of a distance relationship because she was just so focused and you respect other athletes' space and, and, and when they're warming up. So the warm-up area was a bit daunting leading into the final because you know you've reached the final but at the same time I, I tried my hardest to keep my focus on what I wanted to do unfortunately mentally I changed the plan slightly um but you know it is what it is um and then you go through the call room where they check all your kit and your spikes and, and any logos um for your sponsors uh, and walking out into that stadium just to honestly it, it was absolutely silence for me I couldn't hear anything I just saw cameras flashing and, and just walking to the line and being on that line and if you see that video my eyes were closed on the line I was just trying to just keep block everything out and and probably that was a little bit of my biggest mistake because I was so much in the zone I was unaware once that gun had gone that I was in the Olympic final I was somewhere else completely um, but I do remember when that gun went, just the flashing of the cameras in the stadium. You could, I could have heard a pin drop. Uh, and even now watching it on the TV, I'm amazed about the noise because I didn't hear a thing, which is so bizarre. Um, I get more nervous watching it on TV now than when I was in the actual race. And um, the first 200 or so, um, I looked up at the screen and saw I was last. I was in the last position. And, and that was when I started to, to really put the, the pressure on and, and run the race I should have done from the, the minute the gun went. But unfortunately, it was too late. I, I didn't realise what position I'd come. But there is that that photo of myself and Kathy Freeman looking up at the screen, watching the results coming up. And 50% of me was happy because obviously she'd won and she was my training partner. We were good friends. But the other 50%, I was absolutely devastated coming forth because, of course, 
you don't get a medal for coming forth. So um, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, if I could do it again, definitely I would have done it differently. But you know what? Many people know me now for coming forth, running the fastest last hundred meters in an Olympic final. So, you know, when you weigh that up, who knows? So what nugget can you take from that to pass on to another athlete if they're in a final, if they find themselves in a similar situation? There, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, in my mind, I didn't truly believe that I could win that race. And, and it, it really does boil down to self-belief. I was almost, okay, I'm, I'm just going to run my own race, which is great, which most athletes think that. But it was not being self-aware. I wasn't aware what position I was um, after the first bend. And I was just in another world altogether. So you must have self-belief. You have to believe your own ability and just go push those boundaries, not only just think about making the final, it is about pushing those boundaries. I will win this race and keep telling themselves that they will achieve because mental state is a huge percentage of performance. You can be physically fit, which I was. I was the fittest. I was in shape to to actually win the race, but that self-belief, that mental side of things let me down. Uh, Donna, these podcasts are part of a way of raising money for Maggie's Cancer Centre too. And you were touched by cancer, had a diagnosis at the young age. I think you were 36 when you diagnosed oh, breast cancer. Yes. And you're still campaigning uh, as well. So you obviously see it as an important issue still. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, a time in my life that I wish didn't happen. But at the same time, you know, coming out the other end, you know, I always say that I was one of the lucky ones that, that um, you know, I'm still alive. Many haven't won that battle, but I do feel it is my duty to tell my story and just raise the awareness of being body aware and, and just to check yourselves, you know, and, and, and that goes for any other cancer as well. If you're you just don't, you know, your body, um, you know, something doesn't feel right. Don't leave it. Go and get it checked out. And if you still don't feel you're not confident within yourself, still keep pushing and say something not right. I need to to get tests. And, and we know our bodies better than anybody else. And if something's not right, you know best. So absolutely. I think it's important to spread them the awareness message, because if you uh, detect it a lot early, you can be you have a longer life. Well, here we are, lockdown three. I remember lockdown one, you were out on the streets with your neighbours doing like Joe Wick style um, exercises, weren't you? It's, it's not quite the weather for that at the moment. What are you doing in lockdown three? Well, it's funny enough, my neighbours are saying, we need to do it again, we need to start it up again. So um, watch this space for that. But yeah, it was something that I, I felt I wanted to do to get people out and moving and and it was just brilliant that whole period that we ran it uh, for a few months I had a woman who on my road who I've never met before 72 year old Natalia and she was just amazing she came out every single time we were exercising yet another age group of five-year-olds so the diversity of those who participated in those sessions was just amazing and it wasn't just about the fitness, you didn't have to be fit. It was just getting out, being part of the community. And we've made such a great road of, uh, of friends now. It's just amazing. Our great work, Donna Fraser, OBE. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Mark. What a great guest to finish off this first week of Destination Tokyo. If you've missed the other episodes, they're still there on the back catalogue. Uh, also, I want to remind you that I'm raising money for Maggie's Cancer Centres with uh, these podcasts. If you go to justgiving.co.uk and search Destination Tokyo, you'll see a donation page. And I want to thank a few anonymous donors this week, and also Kathy, 
Natalie, Helen and Mark R and Andy Stevenson for your donations. They're much appreciated. Have a good weekend. From me, Mark Shardlow, goodbye.